Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever time it is in your part of the world. My name is Pamela Fagan Hutchins, and you have somehow ended up on the slash video cast for Wine, Women, and Writing, which is a show where I talk with other authors about their books and if we're lucky, most specifically about the awesome, complex, authentic female characters in their books. And if we're super lucky, the real life experiences or other inspiration that they're based upon. And I'm excited to share it with you guys today. And I may do it with a little uh, a little bit of irreverence. Sometimes I slip into profanity, don't tell my mother, and um, definitely too much information at times. Hopefully with no brain freeze moments today. I haven't had coffee. Um, and so if you are new to this show, what I would like you to do is I'd like you to go out to my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com and go to the podcast page for Wine, Women and Writing. And there you're going to see not only all the shows that are upcoming and the books, which you can read along and be prepared for the shows with me, because this is kind of like Pamela's personal book club. Um, and you can also see past shows and look at episodes of maybe of some of your favorite authors that have already occurred. While you're there, you might want to pick up the links to a few of my books. I'm a USA Today bestseller and a Silver Falchion Best Mystery winner. So I like to think they're okay. And you can let me know if you agree. Today, I am coming to you with an itchy nose, excuse that, um, from Dallas. We've had a brief sojourn, sojourn in Nowheresville and then Snowersville, and now we're in Dallas, and I don't know where I'll be next time I'm broadcasting to you, so enjoy this while it lasts. I have no dogs with me, so there'll be no snoring, no barking, no jumping in my lap. That's kind of sad, isn't it? And, um, and here in Dallas, back from Wyoming, I'm greeting someone who used to be from Texas and is now in North Carolina. So today on the show, I've got Rosemary Poole Carter, and we're going to talk about her newest release, Only Charlotte. Welcome to the show, Rosemary. Good morning, Pamela. It's wonderful to, to visit with you long distance. I'm back in Texas in my heart. <laughs> there you go. You really are. And so you lived in Texas for forever. Forever. I was, born, I was born in Fort Worth, went to college in Austin, and lived most of my life in Houston, which I love. Wonderful Murder by the Books bookstore. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> love Murder by the Book. It makes everyone want to be a writer. You walk yeah. in there, it's like infectious. <laughs> and so you moved to North Carolina a couple of years ago? About five, almost five. And how are you liking, um, how are you liking the Carolinas? It's beautiful. I love the four seasons. When it's hot, as it is today, I know that by September, it will be cool again. <laughs> Which we can't always say here no, in Texas. No. <laughs> November. November is your brief fall for two weeks. Yeah, though I do remember cooking Thanksgiving dinner in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Sweating. Um, yes. So when you were in Texas, I know that you spent uh, a fair amount of time in academia. Um, helping With Sponge Dark College. Mm -hmm. And what were you, what was your role there? Oh, I did a little bit of a lot of things, um, taught developmental reading and writing, tutored writing students, ran a testing center for seven years. And for someone with test, test anxiety, I had a lot of sympathy for the students. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> and then I ran a tutor center for a couple of years. And so, are you 
Are you still doing stuff like that now that you're in Durham? Or are you? I did a, a year of um, volunteer work at the Lit- Durham Literacy Center, which is a wonderful resource of free tutoring for, for adults. And um, then things started kind of picking up with only Charlotte coming out, and I had to drop out of that for a while. I went from taking care of students to taking care of my mother for a number of years, and she's in assisted living now. But I can relate with family members myself, and it does. It's interesting these cycles of life. How um, we we reach a point where, or at least for me, your kids are out of the house, and you think, "Wow, I'm going to get all these things done," and then, boom that next chapter starts and and love calls you to do something else instead. But you're still managing to get your books written. Now, Only Charlotte is not your first novel, not your first rodeo. No, um, but there was a 12-year gap and that's where the working full-time caregiving for various family members with injuries, illnesses, old age, all of that came into play. I admire people who can do it all in spite of all the things they have to do. But I had to to put some things on hold for a while, but I kept chipping away and it finally came to fruition. I think that what you just said is so important for everybody to hear that there is a time and a place, there's a season for everything. And that sometimes you have to just do what you can do. You kept chipping away. And when the time was right, you came back with something beautiful, um, only Charlotte. But in the meantime, you did something beautiful. So hats off to you. And thank you for sharing that. And I would love it if you would tell us a little bit before we talk about only Charlotte. Tell us a little bit about the books that came before, because I think you have a bent toward writing about the post-Civil War uh, in the South. It could be an obsession. (laughs) Somewhere along the way, I think when I was about um, 22, I made my first trip to New Orleans and fell in love with the city. And there's something for everyone in that city, Um, maybe more than than one thing. Um, So when I settled down to write a novel that finally saw a publisher, it was set in Louisiana. That's where my grandparents are from. And, um, yeah, I had a sort of Southern Gothic upbringing in some ways. <laughs> so particularly coming through that bloodline. But um, it just captivated me. So some of my, my work set in more rural Louisiana and some in um, New Orleans itself. And you get turned to Baton Rouge. <laughs> You get a little of both in Only Charlotte, um, a little of the New Orleans and a little bit of the rural or outside of New Orleans. I have to ask, ask you first, Was did you spend a lot of time as a child in, you mentioned that you had a relative in New Orleans and a lot of time as a child when your imagination was being stimulated around that area or? No, they would come to Texas. To okay. Them. And then moved to Texas. But it was more as a young adult. And then, um, you know, life got busy and I had to make a mortgage and things like that. But, (laughs) you know, but when I, you know, I tried a couple of other paths in novel writing. But but the one that uh, finally made the difference was What Remains, which is set in Louisiana post-Civil War. Very 
soon after the Civil War. And then uh, Juliet Ascending, which is more of a YA novel set in New Orleans. And Women of Magdalene, Rural Louisiana again. Yeah. And were the previous three, were any of them um, mysteries, like Only Charlotte or? Uh, what Remains was is a very traditional kind of mystery. Okay. I call it a gritty cozy, but it's also um, a little Southern Gothic, too. Um, Juliet Ascending follows some of the, the lore that was used to create Romeo and Juliet famously, but there are other versions of that story. And I was inspired by one of those street performers on uh, Royal Street in in New Orleans, who was dressed as a cemetery angel. And, you know, they hold a pose until you tip them and then they'll acknowledge you. (laughs) They're they're imaginative, different costumes they use. But she was a cemetery angel and her tip jar was an urn. (laughs) (laughs) And from that, I just was inspired to write that book. Oh, wow. Now you've made me want to go back and read it. Oh. Women of Magdalene, um, I was I did a lot of research through a book called Women of the Asylum, the way women were treated in 19th century um, insane asylums is what they would call them at the time. Or right, hysterians, you know, all kinds yeah. of things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's a grueling research, but I tried to create a book that would give a, a little hope to some characters. Well, that that's you've touched on something I would love to write about someday and and I won't hijack the show to talk about the book from 14 years ago, but that really speaks to me and how tough women had it. Let's call them middle-aged or premenopausal, postmenopausal women and the issues that it's got them up. And the husbands can go out and find their young woman. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> anyway, it, it's a bad, it's a, it's a tough subject. And into that same area, we come with Only Charlotte. And so, tell us a little bit about Only Charlotte. I've read it. I hope a lot of you guys that are watching and listening have read it. But for those that haven't, well, first, I'm very touched that you recommended it to your mother. Yeah, and I'd love to know more why you recommended it to her mother. It's <laughs> <laughs> historical fiction set in 1880s New Orleans, um, but it, it certainly falls into some of the Southern uh, Southern Gothic themes, damaged uh, but decent characters facing mm-hmm. the damaging and grotesque characters of uh, corruption, that sort of thing. Misogyny and racism are certainly themes that run throughout all of my books. Um, some of those those themes are so overwhelming and the heartbreak is so deep that fiction helps us maybe understand and find a little hope for certain individuals. We can't solve all the problems, but we can get wrapped up in the lives of particular characters and see that they're finding a way to to cope and maybe find happiness in some cases. In some cases. And, you know, and it it did strike me as I read it that for people that maybe are struggling with ways to cope with it in their current lives um, or haven't yet seen in the mirror certain glimpses of themselves that 
that's a non-threatening way sometimes for them to reach realizations that are helpful in their current lives. So, you know, people think of fiction as entertainment. It isn't always just entertainment, is it? No. <laughs> the narrator of Only Charlotte is uh, Lenore James. And she tells us in the very first chapter that she's going to unfold her story based on things she's witnessed, things she supposes, things she hears from other characters. Um, she's visited some of the places she reports scenes on later, but uh, was maybe not strictly present when those things were happening. But she pieces it together and um, she finds she has sort of a dramatic flair for taking this material of the story around her. And she starts planning that she might actually write a play about it by the end. It, it is interesting that you bring that up for a number of reasons. One is that very much you you, should, you get this increasingly um, passionate flow from, from Lenore as it's both unfolding in real life to her and to her beloved brother and other people she cares about, but also as the story takes on a greater life in her mind and she starts to envision herself as a playwright. Um, and because... You mentioned in um, in writing this book that you were inspired by a production of A Winter's Tale, Winter's Tale by Shakespeare. So how did that come about? How, how did you reach that moment of inspiration? Well, I was an English major at UT in the days when people actually were English majors. <laughs> I think that's gone by the wayside now. <laughs> and I had wonderful teachers, but I've you know, loved Shakespeare since high school. But um, this idea of women being boxed in in roles, really, in, there's a, a term in 19th century law that women were dead in law. They were just extensions of husbands, fathers, brothers, other, mm -hmm. the male relatives and people in charge of them. And I have characters trying to break out of that. And there's, there's some of that in the Winter's Tale, certainly what happens to um, Leontes' wife, Hermione, when he falsely accuses her of things. The character of Paulina in that play is quite a mover and shaker behind the scenes. And so when I have Lenore and her latest suitor, she's been widowed three times and each time gotten a little richer with <laughs> <laughs> the leavings of the wills. But um, with her, her latest suitor, she goes to production of The Winter's Tale and starts seeing herself as a possible Paulina kind of character who could make a difference in other people's lives. So that, that um, carries through to the end. Now, was there a particular production of A Winter's Tale that you saw that sparked this interest? Like, your um, ascending Juliet and seeing Cemetery Angel, or was this really just from your exposure? And um... well, I'd read the play in college and studied it, and then um, it's not produced all that often. Though I have to put this in here now. It's coming up in Asheville, North Carolina, in August. I think it opens August thirtieth at Montford Park Players Production. And we're planning to have a book event at Malaprop's Independent Bookstore in Asheville on August 26th with cast members from the Winter's Tale production. 
That's so much fun. Oh, I can't wait. But, you know, in writing this book, since I couldn't conveniently fly somewhere on the planet to see a production, I got a wonderful audio recording with fabulous actors from the Royal Shakespeare Company out of the library. Opened my old textbook from Austin University days and read along with the actors to refresh my memory of the storyline and some of the great lines in it, which really move Lenore and inspire her actions in, the, in my novel. But there is no, let's see, what's the um, exit pursued by Bear? What's the... <laughs> <laughs> well, there is a mention of that. Of course, it's not in the script. It's only in the stage direction. But, um, I found my, my favorite... Um, Mail order, now they call it online, bookseller Bob Lu has a, a tote bag, a book bag that has that quote on it, exit <laughs> by a bear. And, you know, as Lenore notices in the production, the person who is pursued by a bear is getting no more than he deserves. <laughs> he has done some dastardly things. <laughs> I loved that. Um, well, you know, it, at the same time that I was reading your book, I was listening to an audiobook called Mrs. Poe. And it was, have you, have you are you familiar with I'm it? I'm familiar with it and I'm, I can't wait to read it all the way through. It was really enjoyable, but I had two Lenores going in my head because of course oh. the beginning of that book is just over and over people quoting from from um, the, you know, raven. the raven, excuse me. I'm, I told uh, I told Rosemary <laughs> earlier. I'm experiencing a lot of brain fog today. You just jump in there when I go blank. <laughs> um, and so you know, I'm reading your book, and I just th- keep thinking, "Quoth the raven and the fair Lenore," and over in my head. So there was there was no um, Poe inspiration for you, or was there? Oh, there was. Um, you know, I was toying with what to name her and I thought well she could like Poe and Mm -hmm. um I think at some point her new suitor paraphrases a line from the raven to her that's a little more suitable she wasn't a maiden at this point (laughs) (laughs) although she wasn't that old you know as as I was reading the book and it you know, in the first few pages you don't really get a fix on her age as a thrice widowed woman but I would have said late thirties or early forties and um, still vibrant and much pursued. She's just shy of 40, but just shy. (laughs) (laughs) She's a reliable narrator for sure. (laughs) Well, and that was interesting to me as well, because she confesses up front that she may not be 100% reliable as a narrator, but she's going to do her best. Mm -hmm. And I, um, as, as I read along, I was consciously looking for places where she might be messing it up, but she seemed to really be doing the best she could by everyone. And, you know, I will, I will dovetail again into a little bit about A Winter's Tale and, and the idea of basing this on a play that is the, in the, the pastoral um, mode, if you will, where life is a little bit better than it really is. Um, and yet not when we escape to the country. Of course, that's the Gothic thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, melding a Gothic with the pastoral was a special kind of genius um, for you in writing this book. But that underlying um, gothic theme of all that's dark and lies below with the pastoral which is that 
everything is a little bit better than we think it is. It was really interesting to me. Good. I think you did it lovely. Thank you. <laughs> Another parallel, and I'm sure you caught it. Um, in Shakespearean theater, in the, in the Renaissance, plays were sometimes produced in courtyards with the balconies of the buildings around the courtyard as audience seating mm -hmm. areas or standing areas. And I thought of the houses in the French Quarter with the courtyards and two or three tiers of balconies winding up from that courtyard setting and made use of it but before the book is over. You certainly did. You made good use of it. And even in some of the scenes in um, Lenore's backyard um, with the surgery of Gilbert out across from it, I could picture an audience in the middle, you know, that there were several settings where you could put yourself in the middle of the action and watch what was going on. So anyway, you guys need to read the book. And why did I recommend this book to my mother? That was a question yeah. earlier. So my mom is 71 and she loves to read and she does not like unreliable narrators. She does not like foul language. I'm going to tell you guys how to please a 71 year old reader, which by the way is a wonderful reader to have. She does not like to be in the bedroom with people when she wants a mystery, but she does not want gore. She does not want complete dark slaying blood flying kill bill type of stuff. So anyway, um, a few of the books that I have enjoyed and people I've had on the show did not fall in her category. And she kind of thought that this show was made especially for her and that these were personal recommendations that I was interviewing authors and that I was going to then basically be saying, and wink, wink, mom, read this book. So she read a few and she was like, Pamela. And I said, mom, you have to ask me which ones you're going to like. So anyway, I read Rosemary's book and I sent my mom a text and I said, you're going to really like this one. I promise you're really going to enjoy it. And I told her about it and sent her um, the name. And so she's oh, now it on her on her Kindle. I think I was pretty sparing in the, the raw language. <laughs> you were great. You were great. But it there was, is some dastardly action. Totally. There's it, there's darkness in here, of course. I mean, it's a, like you said, it's a Southern Gothic mystery um, it, with some of those themes. But there's also goodness and there is not um, uh, rolling around in the muck for the sake of rolling around in the muck. We are muck appropriate, if you will. <laughs> hey, I quote you. Yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, I, I took a, cover, muck appropriate. <laughs> I took um, a great course a few years back from an author in Austin who I just love, Susie Spencer. And she's a um, true crime writer primarily, but she's also written this wonderful book called uh, Secret Sex Lives. And it was a basically going around and interviewing people about different topics. And so she taught a class on writing sex for the Houston Writers Guild. And she said, all sex is too much if it is not appropriate to plot or character. And any sex can be appropriate if it's done consistent with that characters, sensibilities, and the plot, you know, et cetera. Sex just for sex is always bad sex. So, <laughs> okay, I can work with that. 
It's what I tell my mother every time I include something. Mom, this is appropriate to the character and the plot. Deal with it. Anyway, um, so tell people about how to get your book, how to find out more information about you and your books, if you will, and anything exciting you might have coming up. You did mention, of course, your Asheville. Malaprox. Yeah. Yeah. I love that name. I love the name, yes. <laughs> I was immediately attracted. Um, my website is my last name, P-O-O-L-E hyphen C-A-R-T-E-R dot info. I-N-F-O. And um, although there is that large online bookseller who can't seem to get the paperback straight on the, the page you go to, they'll show the Kindle, <laughs> Kindle and the hardback. <laughs> the paperback did come out this month. It is somewhere. Um, independent bookstores can order anything that Ingrams has. So you can just ask your independent bookseller in your neighborhood and pick it up at the store or have it mailed to you if you're traveling or I, I love to support indies whenever I can. There's a new one here in Durham I'm excited about called Golden Fig Books. <laughs> Such a delicious name. That is also a delicious name. Kudos to the Carolinas for bookstore names. And I've got to say that as we see more of the big boxes, um, shall we say, decline, although there's been a certain you know, acquisition, who knows what the result of that will be. I am seeing more and more indie bookstores um, resurging uh, into this niche and long may that continue. Um, so you can go out, you can order her paperbacks anywhere. In other words, folks, go order them and don't let it fool you. It is on Amazon. It's just a little harder to find. It's not connected to her hardback and her e-back her ebook. So if you get on there, don't give up easily if that's the only way you do books. But you can also, any author's books, you can go and order from an independent store or you can go to your library and request that libraries make that purchase. That well. Lovely. Yes. We like that's libraries. Ask my friends to do ask your library for the hardback. There you go. <laughs> we love that. As far as things coming up, um, I have a library program with the Durham County Library in September that I'm excited about. Um, it has to do a lot with the research that I did for the character of Lenore as a, a woman of somewhat independent means who's involved in charities and study clubs and book clubs. And it's called the, the name of the talk is Danger Women Reading. And so it has to do with how much women learned through those book clubs and study clubs in the 19th century that helped prepare them for the activism that led us to the vote by 1920. And to be able to congregate like that and have a non-threatening reason to do so while they grew their power. They learned organization and financial management and how to speak in public, all sorts of skills they would use later. That sounds like a lovely program, and they can find information about that through the Durham Public Library, Durham County Library, Calvary County Library, County Library. Um, awesome. And um, the the book again is only Charlotte. The author is Rosemary Poole Carter. Go out and get you a copy of this. I do need to mention that. I always forget until the very end. This has been a copyrighted production solely owned by Authors on the Air Radio Network. And my producer, Pam Stack, is the most awesomest. 
I did it. Um, what I would encourage you to do is go out and get a copy of the book while you're online, hit my website, PamelaFaganHutchins.com. You'll see that uh, I'm skipping next week um, show because we got a little family thing. And then the week after that, I'm bouncing back with Carla Neggers and Stone Bridges. So you can also grab Stone Bridges and read ahead so that you can enjoy our conversation. And then um, while you're there, we should mention that you can, in fact, have been dragged kicking and screaming to Kindle Unlimited, where you can now binge read every one of my novels until your eyeballs bleed if you'd like to. And it will cost you no more than your subscription price for the month. So go get you some. And Rosemary, it's been a delight to meet you in person. Thank you. I enjoyed it so much. Delight to me too. We have a friend in common, um, Kay Kendall. So hi, Kay. Hi, Kay. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. For the rest of you guys out there, have a lovely week. Have a glass of wine. Read a good book by a, a fantastic female author, why don't you? And I'll talk to you next time. 